Hello and welcome to Working Historians, a podcast series where we discuss what historians do with their lives. I am Rob Denning, Associate Dean for Liberal Arts for Southern New Hampshire University's online history programs. In this episode, we continue the series that we started last time on how historians research and write on historical topics. In our last episode, we discussed the selection of a research topic. Once the topic is selected, the historian then has to figure out what to do with it. And as we will see here, a good research question will excite the audience, but will also help the historian stay on track throughout the project. Like last time, you will hear from a panel of historians made up of Eric Greisinger, Allison Millward, C.B. Repass, Matt Chandler, and Ryan Tripp. Okay, everyone, in our last episode, we selected a research topic. Now let's talk about developing a research question. Before we get into the process, why is it so important to develop a good research question? You want to try and be able to ask a question that's going to draw your audience into your paper because you're not going to be, you're not just writing it for yourself. Yeah, you're writing it for me, your instructor, but I think you want to be able to come up with a question that you personally want to know. You want to know the answer because that's going to prompt you and motivate you to continue to do your research. But it should also be something that can be proven that that research question is going to turn into a research argument. So let's, let's find out what's your interest first and um, come back to me with your interest. And then we're going to formulate your, your question to make sure that it can then become a statement. It can then become that argument statement. Yeah. It, it's the question's kind of the blueprint for the thesis. It's, it's a loose thesis in many ways, and it will guide kind of your idea to that academic argument you're ultimately going to have to make uh, to the audience or to the board or whatever it may be. So it's the initial stage. It's like a first draft of a book in many ways. And it can be revised. Um, Got to be sure to tell them you're not stuck with this question because as you continue, you're going to tweak it because you're going to find out, oh, that doesn't work at all. But this does, and it's still the same direction, just a little different angle. Uh, it can't be a yes or no question fundamentally. It, you, I mean, you could try it that way, but if it's a yes or no answer, it's possible, but I think you're creating more of a burden for yourself than a boon. That, well, yeah, because if it's a yes or no question, okay, what are you going to say for the remaining 15 pages? Right. I mean, you could back it up with further evidence. Yes, 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 yes. And then maybe look at some no's as, again, counterpoints, but it, it's not usually the most effective way to conceptualize the development of a project in its, um, again, early phases, right? When it's still in infancy, when it's still a little baby paper right, in your mind. You need to look into these areas that may not, or you feel like may not have been represented yet, because this is going to go into what needs to be known, right? Once you've decided that, oh, well, I've got this history on this, for example, but I still don't see this perspective then you're saying, well, this still needs to be known. Um, and I think especially like, let's say if we are doing capstones or whatever, that's really important for a student to be able to say in their thesis, um, in their project, this question, I'm asking this question because I still believe that this, this is not um, represented in history to its fullest extent. And this, after all the research I've done, this is a preliminary research I've done, this is the thing that still needs to be known. Um, and I think that that's what sets off the original question from 
quite frankly, questions that have kind of already been asked before, right? Um, because I'm I'm working on research with World War One, for example, and I can't tell you how many people have already told me, well, it's been a hundred years, so all the all the things about World War One still has to be known, and it's like, oh. Really, right? But 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 that's where you go and prove it, where you ask a question that actually shows people no. Um, there's only maybe really one in perspective, or maybe a handful of perspectives that have looked at World War One, and this this question shows that there's still stuff that needs to be known and discovered. So it's it's as well as building your thesis again, going to people who are doing original thesis. That's really going to kind of be your proof that we still need to reinvestigate some things in in history that maybe we have taken for granted before. Kind of going off of what some basically what everybody's been saying here so far. The other thing that the the research question helps to do is keep you on track because a well crafted research question will keep you will hopefully prevent mission creep. It'll hopefully prevent you from going off onto a whole bunch of tangents, which might distract you, which might seem interesting at the time. But if you can't tie it back to the question, then it may not be useful to you at that time. Maybe in a different research project or answering a different research question, you could go into it. But for this project, if you stick with a research question that has been crafted to meet the requirements of the assignment or the 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 word count or whatever for the project that you're doing, if you've got a research question that adequately addresses all those requirements, it'll help to put the guardrails on while you're doing your research and your writing, because if you, you want to make sure that everything you're in your final product goes back to that question and doesn't answer some other question that you, that you haven't actually asked, because then you're, then you start drifting off topic and then it can start to get messy. And maybe tying question in with topic we recommend that they find a, a reputable secondary source to read about their topic. Now you walked away from it. What question do you have? What, what, what did you not understand? So now you understand your topic better and then you can go yourself. I think what's helpful too uh, with all of this, and I think we've discussed aspects of this in, in the, the couple previous questions, but um, historiography too, and understanding how historiography works Again, I know that's part of this, but I think emphasizing the, um, that part of the requirements are secondary sources and reading those secondary sources can be helpful. And you can pose new questions based on new research or think about a topic a different way, you know, or, and then aim for balance between kind of overarching approach to specificity and precision and noting the subjectivity and all of that. Yeah, and so we'll talk about secondary sources and primary sources and all that in uh, um, in the in, in the future. Uh, but I, I do want to also emphasize something. That I think it was CB that mentioned that uh, the the research question is something that you will revisit over and over and refine as it goes. Um, we'll talk later also about thesis statements and arguments, and those are also going to be refined over and over as you go because you will discover that. Um, I think, Allison, I think you mentioned it, that you don't want to answer a question that's already been answered. Or if you are going to answer a question that's already been asked, you'll want to find some new way to answer it. But it's all none of the, the you know, the ma one of the major goals of any research project is to avoid reinventing the wheel. You don't want to do something that somebody else already did, because what's the point? It's already been done. So you need to ask a question either that has never been asked before or hasn't been answered before, or a question that's already been asked that you're going to answer in a new way because you have new sources or 
you've uncovered something new that allows you to say to contribute something new to the conversation because again you don't want to you don't want to reinvent the wheel there's no point in that there's, there, there, that's a lot of wasted time and energy if all you end up doing is saying the same thing that somebody else already said i think that the way you have to frame it is actually best explained simply uh by the chicago manual style i want to pick a topic that focuses on this. My goal in pursuing this topic is to understand that. Therefore, I can offer conclusions that solve that problem. So picking a research question is actually not as straightforward as it sounds. And I often suggest thinking of a number of research questions at first that you can look at. And there's a potential then to look at those different research questions and see which of those is going to be most fruitful in terms of identifying resources. So you might have the most fascinating question ever, okay? But if there is not, is if there's insufficient material for you to then back that up in terms of the development of your thesis, because remember, the goal of a research question is to flip that around into your argument. So you're going to answer that research question with an argumentative, structured, concise statement. Right. So if you don't have the material to back that up and if you can't answer that question, it's not the research question and you move on to a different one. And that's incredibly frustrating for students and professional historians alike. We might have the best idea for a paper, but if we can't answer the questions with source based evidence, we simply cannot develop that into a paper. And that's very, very frustrating. And I, I can probably count a dozen times when that's happened to me. And many more times happening, particularly in the capstone. Someone has a wonderfully creative idea, but it's just not possible to develop into a paper. But one thing I do, not everyone agrees with me, and that's fine. But I do think developing a, a paper around a core counterfactual research question is a mistake. I believe that in my, and I know some historians dab, dabble with counterfactualism, the what ifs, and some actually embrace them outright. I, I do not personally. So for me, there are too many unresolved questions in history as it is. So starting to play around with questions, you know, the most obvious one is man in the high castle. If Germany and, and Japan occupied the United States in the post-war period, what does that look like? We have no idea, right? And I think the historian's job is to demonstrate what did happen, what the human experience was like at the time. You know, so again, if the research question is not grounded in something that can be demonstrated with core evidence that we deem to be historically factual, you move on to a different question. That's why I'd like to suggest maybe come up with three or five questions and then from there we can whittle it down. And then from there again, we can really hone in on one or two that will become the foundation for a larger piece of scholarship. And that would be the same for a five page paper or a 150 page paper. You know, it would depend, you know, maybe if you're developing, say, uh, 125 to 150 or longer, you probably want a few more research questions to guide you uh, for, a, for a shorter paper. You probably want maybe one core, really strong research question. And there are step by step uh, ways that we can develop these questions. And what we're trying to do here at SNHU anyway, is incorporate this into demonstrating, for instance, how students craft proposals for papers, right? So one way to think about developing this is to propose the idea of your research question and try to see if that resonates with an audience. It could be your teacher, it could be your friends, it could be your parents, it could be whomever you trust, right? And it's also a good idea when developing a research question to talk to somebody who might actively disagree with you. So you can then get a counter question that then you might wanna answer. Yeah, who's your audience? When you make the, uh, when you design your question, 
who are you going to present this to? Definitely. And that, so, so in, in some ways, a research question is kind of a deceptively simple thing because there's actually a whole lot of baggage that goes into it. Yeah. What is the, what is the, you know, the existing historiography on it? What's already been done on the topic? What hasn't been done on the topic? Who are, who are you writing this for? <clears throat> what is the scope of the project? And I, I'm not sure we may have mentioned that already, but you know, is this the question that you ask for a 10 page paper is going to be very different than the question you would ask for a 500 page monograph. It's um, the, the, the scope of the question is going to depend on those types of constraints also. And so you're going to have very different, you're going to have much more focused questions for shorter projects, much broader questions for larger projects. Uh, so there's, there's a, there's a lot that goes into the development of a research question that, and it's not something that you can really take lightly because again, it's going to be, it's the guardrails for the rest of your project. And so if you start off with a bad research question, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the project. All right. And with that, let's call it a day. Thank you all for joining us. Join us again in two weeks when the panel will answer the question, how do I find secondary sources to help answer that question that we just developed? This episode appears on the Working Historians podcast feed, and you can subscribe to that feed on any podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora, or whatever else you prefer. That way you won't miss any episodes, and you'll continue to hear about all the cool stuff that historians do with their lives. This podcast does not represent the views of Southern New Hampshire University, despite everybody's affiliation with it. If you have any questions or comments for this or any of our other podcasts, please send us a message to workinghistorians at gmail.com or through our Twitter feed at WorkHistorians. For Eric Greisinger, Allison Millward, CB Repass, Matt Chandler, and Ryan Tripp, I'm Rob Denning. And if you get stuck developing a research question, you can always follow the Sesame Street mantra. I wonder, what if? Let's try. It works for Elmo. <laughs>